Coming up on golf today, we know John Rahm is the number one ranked golfer in the world. Has he become the number one ranked presser in the world? Rahm did not hold back on Tuesday at Torrey. Golf too easy, no penalties for missing fairways. We'll bring you his honest interpretation of the current PGA Tour setups. Plus, Dustin Johnson is back in our lives. That's never a bad thing. DJ in California, moseying around, smiling, tweeting, talking. We've got the first things DJ says of 2022. He talks fishing, skiing, golfing, and vibing. And the PGA show continues from Orlando. Matt Adams and Bailey Chambly are on the grounds of the convention center. And let's hope they follow my rules. Comfortable shoes for days like this. Got to protect those feet. Today is National Green Juice Day. So kale, spinach, some mango, a dash of bee pollen. It's time to eat. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome into Golf Today. Damon Ack alongside Shane Bacon. Lots to get to. Farmers Insurance open. We got the PGA I know where show you're going. I know where you're going. Orlando, start. but you know where we're starting. Sometimes we stray outside the ropes and outside the sport. Let's talk a little hoops. Why are we doing this? Can you tell me why we're talking this? Yeah, sure. Because there was, there was an upset last night. Huge game last night. Pauly Pavilion. UCLA oh. Bruins, my Bruins, defeating your Arizona Wildcats. But it wasn't close. It was not close. 75-59, outscored you guys 28-13 to close out the first half. Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell and company getting it done. Statement win for my Bruins. A good win. Arizona, both their losses now on the roads, both to top 20 schools. They shot 25% from three. I'm not worried. Okay. I'm not concerned. I'm just uh, I'm just happy it's a good rivalry again. Yeah. I mean, this is when I was, you know, at school in Tucson in the early 2000s. I mean, playing UCLA was a big deal. And these yeah. were the moments that everybody got up for. And college basketball, I think, has taken a slight step back. Mm. So it's nice to see some of these storied franchises playing good basketball yeah. again. Uh, but again, Arizona's going to be a really, really tough out in the tournament. I I think UCLA is going to be tough out as well. We like wins in January. We love wins in March. We'll see what happens. D-Hack, you've been talking about it for over a year. PGA Tour players going low, 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 low. How low? 80 under in three events already in 2022. D, you dug this up. I mean, we're, we're 11 clear of 2021. You look at 51 under in 2020, but Birdies are out there. Hadn't seen a whole bunch of bogeys from our leaders, and thus 80 under is what you see. Yeah, Shane, we're talking about it. It's also become a talking point in the game from the players. It's, it's frustrating to me because it's, um, you know, like people were going crazy about Kapalua, and they're saying the golf course set up so easy. And it's like, look, it's, I don't know how many times I have to say it. You give us soft greens and you give us no wind, we are going to shoot nothing. It doesn't matter if the course is 8,000 yards, we're going to find a way to shoot 20 under par. I mean, if we can, we have such good control over how far the ball goes and, and the kind of spin we can put on it. And then you give us soft greens to where if we do miss a green, it's easier to get up and down and there's no wind. Like, it's just, it's, it's easy. And, um, those courses are, are very, very scorable. I mean, the scores are always low there in the past, but I just think it's it, you have to take what you have for what it's worth. You know, each week, I mean, you get a week like this, and if we get a little wind one day and, and the greens get even firmer and faster, I mean, the scores are going to are gonna be higher. And, um, you know, if we get some rain and they soften up and there's no wind, they're going to be lower. That's just the way that it is. It's not... It's not like the tours setting up the course every day saying, all right, we want, you know, 1,800 to win this week. Let's put the pins easy. It's like we, we know every single week pretty much 
where the four pins are going to be. And um, they're the same every year. It's just a matter of what the conditions of the golf course are like. I think, yeah, a golf course that would challenge us in every aspect of the game, right? Um, and that's where I believe you would find the best player, right? Somebody whose whole game completely is playing good throughout. And if something is missing, you're going to have to make up with really good stuff, you know, on the other other parts of your game. Um, but that question is very much dependent on what golf course you're playing at, right? So um, what weather and where you're at, it, it's a little bit of that. But I, I think the general answer would be something that would challenge players in every aspect. The answer is not making courses longer yeah. just so we can have five irons in the greens. It's, if the greens are soft, if there's no wind, we can fire at any pin from any distance. Like, the scores are going to be low. And you heard John Rahm speak there kind of about courses, but he was asked about conditions, the way courses are set up as well. Do you remember kind of the camera that caught what he had to say at the American Express? And John Rahm did not hold back about what he thought about setups. My reaction? I mean, I think the video is pretty self-explanatory. Um, I mean, we're the PGA Tour. We're the best golfers on the planet, and we're playing a golf course where missing the fairway means absolutely nothing. There was times where missing a fairway by an inch was worse than missing a fairway by 20 yards. That, to me, is a mistake. Um, I don't know what else to say, right? I also understand we're in the desert. Um, you can't oversee the entire golf course and things like that can't happen. But, yeah, we played a lot of golf with zero rough. It's just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if I knew somebody was recording, I wouldn't say it the way I did, but I was just thinking out loud and letting some frustration out because that's how I felt, right? I mean, no matter where you hit it, you're going to be able to hit it on the green, and it becomes a putting contest. Who can make the putts? That's about it. There's no premium for anything else, right? I mean, the perfect example was hole 14. It's a hole that usually hit in the fairway is very, very important because if you miss it and you're in the rough, it's a tough green to hit and make a birdie on. And this time we were hitting driver to 20 yards off the green because there was no rough, right? Um, that's the best example I can think of. And there's a couple others. I mean, I can tell you right now, with the way I struck the ball last week and the way I put it, if it was in, uh, let's say, major championship conditions, I probably wouldn't have made the cut, let alone finish 14th. Or I shouldn't have, I believe. Maybe, maybe not. I just think it was a bit too easy for the best players in the world. That's, uh, that, that's just my opinion. And the quote from John Rahm, it took off on social media. How about the thoughts of a former world number one in Luke Donnelly? You are the best in the world. Of course you want a tough setup. And John's defense, the tour, have been going away from that more and more. Softer, greener conditions each week with lots of birdies is their new recipe. That from Luke Donald, this from Eric Compton, kind of responding to what John Rahm had to say with all due respect, and you're one heck of a player, one of the best. Why don't you just apologize for acting out instead of justifying your comments? Plenty of courses will test you this year. It is what it is. The desert has always been a putting contest, and then growth thrown on there at the end. Uh, D, you know, I mean, John Rahm talking about this very honestly. I mean, you know, addressing comments that got caught on camera and you can focus on his verbiage if you want. But, I mean, he was frustrated. Golfers get frustrated. They say a lot of stuff that you don't want to get caught on camera. But what John Rahm kind of doubled down on is the fact that golf right now seems to be very, very easy and playable for professional golfers. And we hear so much about the conditions. And I'm interested in your thoughts on the conditions of golf course because it seems like what these players are saying is if it's not 
something outside of a golf course, if it's wind, if it's rough, if it's things like that setup-wise, then it's going to be easy no matter how long it is, no matter what golf course you're playing, no matter what country you're playing. Yeah, the superintendents, the rules officials, they can't control the weather. They can't control the wind. They can do what they can to put their hands on the golf course in terms of how much rough they want to have. And, of course, that's a slippery slope as well because if it gets too tough, I'm sure you'll have a segment of the, of the population, the players saying, hey, what's going on here? This is, this is too hard. What fascinates me about John Rahm, he has six PGA Tour wins. The first three victories were double-digit under par. The last three victories, single-digit under par. Memorial, one of the toughest tests they play year to year on the PGA Tour. The BMW Championship in Chicago, that was a major championship golf course and a major championship setup. And, of course, at Torrey Pines where he won the U.S. Open last year. To hear him say there's zero rough, he just doesn't want the standard week-to-week PGA Tour golf course to be easy. He wants the default setting to be tough and challenging and rough on the golf course, and I think he's right. And I've been saying that for a year now, and I think that he is feeling that as well. And I imagine if you're at the top of the official World Golf Rankings, you are probably closer to his mindset of having your skill set rewarded instead of everybody having a chance and it becomes a putting contest. The putting contest thing is very important here because the putting contest thing is accurate. I mean, when the conditions are soft and when the courses are, in theory, soft, both in the condition and how they're set up, it is a putting contest. D, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago when Cam Smith, of course, won to start the season first in Stroh's game putting. Rory McIlroy at the CJ Cup last year played really well, well shoots 24 under, first in Stroh's game putting. You remember the BMW was Cantlay and Bryson first and second in strokes gain putting. And, and, and Colin Morikawa, a player that we talk so much about the iron play and someone that said, it doesn't matter how long I have in. If there's no conditions, I'll hit it close. That's how dialed that the best in the world are with their iron. Colin Morikawa, first in the field in both his major championships in putting. When you think about these types of things and you think about when scoring goes incredibly low, it sure seems like yeah. the – and these are best players, if you will. These are top 20 players when you include some of the names I threw out there. But when the top 20 in the world putt really well that week, they're going to win when it is soft, when the right. conditions aren't there to demand stuff out of players outside of how can, how can you make a 10-footer. I just love the fact that John Rahm is using his platform, his voice, as the number one player in the world. You know, Patrick Kentley at the end of last season, you know, becoming a FedEx Cup champ and winning in the playoffs, it's almost like he found his voice as well. And when you're spending time in the press, press room, and listen, this was an unfortunate comment. As you said, the verbiage, uh, the way it came out, he probably would want to take back. But I think the spirit of his comments was like, hey, I don't like the trend in where the game is going at the highest level. And we'll see how this unfolds. We'll see what the scores do, especially this part of the schedule when the golf courses get tougher and you do have more wind and you do have colder weather. Maybe we'll start to see the scores that we, that we were accustomed to seeing. But right now, the trend line is not good. It's too easy at the highest level. I want to see shot making. I want to see stress. I want to see a couple more long irons in the greens. Maybe that's not going to happen with the equipment and the talent of these players but something has to change where birdies are valuable and meaningful and 63 means something we're about to run into a few golf courses where you're going to see it trend the other way yeah and then you're going to hear a lot of people that maybe think our side of this argument is silly go see i mean but that's yeah. the difference in a golf course that is typically demanding week in and week out you go play riviera in august you go play riviera in december it's going to be tough. It's a tough yeah. golf course to play. If you go play Torrey Pines when U.S. Opens roll around or when the Farmers Insurance rolls around or if you go out there in September, Torrey Pines is going to be tough. These are hard golf courses. But what we're seeing is, is golf courses that may be hard to you and I and to the everyday golf 
fan, if you will, they are not presenting the type of test that I think the professional golfer should receive. I think about kind of conditions, talk about wind and mm. firmness and things like that. Has it rained over the last couple of weeks? It's like the NFL and saying the only way you're going to get a low scoring affair is if it snows or if it's right. really cold. I don't want that to be the only reason that we see low scoring football games. The same thing as golf. And as we've continued to say here, we're not going and saying that a low score in a birdie fest is necessarily bad for golf. We just don't want to see it week in and week right. out. And we want to see a bad golf shot have the same effect that a good golf right. shot does. A good golf shot typically gets close to the hole and we're celebrating yeah. those shots. When you hit a bad shot, you should be, in theory, yeah. penalized at least a little bit. I love what you said yesterday about the Jack Nicholas bunkers. Yeah. You know, and players oh, it complaining. It's bloody murder, it's they were a, calling. That's, you don't want to be in a bunker, you, in theory. We thought, we thought. You don't want to be in a bunker, These in days, players hit into, they aim for bunkers. That's right. They're they, asked, they would rather be in the bunker than 100%. in the rough. Those 100%. are supposed to be penalties. When you go play the old course, you know what there are a lot of? Yeah. Bunkers. Unless you're Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. And then you know what you know what's hard to get out of, even if you're a professional golfer? Yeah. The bunkers yeah. there. I mean, that's where golf started. That's where we came up with this silly idea that now there's 15,500 golf courses in the United States. Back in the day, that was a bad place to be, and yes. now it seems like a good place to be. I, I just I just continue to harp on the fact that when you do something poorly in professional sports, there should be something that takes off of the scoreboard, off off the scorecard, if you will. And right now, we're not necessarily seeing that when the best player in the world says, I can basically miss every fairway I'll run, and I'm going to have no issues. And I will say this. The tour officials and the, and the golf course superintendents, it's a tough job putting a golf course that can test these players without going over the edge with the equipment, with their talent, with the ball. It's just harder and harder to set up a golf course that doesn't go over the line and become goofy. I imagine it's a very stressful job setting up whether it's a major championship golf course or just a week-to-week -week PGA Tour event, to have that golf course find the sweet spot where you have the defense, but you also have the moments where you can score. I agree. I mean, you know, a lot of this is weather-dependent. A lot of yep, this is sure. conditions and how it's been weeks prior going into it. Has it rained? Has the rough grown? Has it firm? Because we haven't seen a lot of precipitation in the area. But I would say about the way we set up golf courses, it does seem like year to year they're set up very similar. Yes. And I yeah. would say when you look at some of the major championship setups that seem to quote-unquote work, and by that I mean they test players. When someone has a good week at a U.S. Open or an Open Championship, they win it five, six, seven under par. When they have a poor week, maybe they shoot 77, 77, and they miss the cut. You know, that, that kind of the disparity, if you will, on the leaderboard. I would go to those events mm. and see what, in theory, has worked yeah. to test those players and what hasn't. You should never make a regular PGA Tour event the same test as a U.S. Open, but you could at least get in, yeah. in the same area code, if you will, yeah. and at least get somewhere closer where, again, 12 under is, a, yeah. is something that's respectable. 65 is a number we're praising yeah. on the show. I think there's a happy medium somewhere. Yes. 80 under, winning score through three weeks is not it, in my opinion. Well, much more to do on this Wednesday. From the fellas to the ladies, world number one Nelly quarterback in action when golf today returns. Paige McKenzie joins with some numbers you need to know from this week's LPGA Tour Stop. Golf Today, brought to you by... Points bet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And by Win Grips, the best grips in golf. Back on golf today, a look at what's happening around the globe this week in golf. We got first round coverage today. Farmers Insurance Open starting on a Wednesday. Southwestern Invitational wraps up a little bit later. 
today to buy Desert Classic DP World Tour. First round coverage tomorrow at 2.30 a.m. Eastern GameBridge LPGA tomorrow at 11.30. All right, Mr. Bacon. Time now for numbers to know. Let's welcome in Paige McKenzie out in Arizona. Paige, you have a number, I understand, in mind for the world number one. I mean, you'd think one would be logical, but I'm going to go double one and say 11. And the number to know is 11 for Nellie Corda because last week she had going a streak of 11 rounds consecutively in the 60s, dating back to last season, the Pelican where she won. She had four rounds in the 60s. The CME, uh, the, the final event of the season, also four rounds in the 60s. It looked as though she was going to potentially get it done again on that Sunday, but unfortunately stumbled a bit coming in to break the streak of 11 consecutive rounds. Uh, but I know she's extra motivated this week because this would be the week that she is actually defending her title, even though it's at a different golf course than she won last year. I'm so glad you brought up that number 11. She's playing at such a high level, uh, you know, and can be criticized in some corners for not winning last week, but it's, it's a reminder of how well she has played and how high she has set the bar in her young career by winning five times around the world last year, including Olympic gold medal. T4 and you're disappointed. Oh my that gosh. means you're the number one ranked yeah. player in the world. How about, uh, how about the last season's rookie of the year? What are you focusing on with Patty T? For Patty Tavitanikit, the number is 19, and this again relates to last week. She had 19 birdies and an eagle. Uh, Daniel Kang, for comparison, had 17 birdies on the week and ultimately won. Patty Tavitanikit finished a tie for 13th. Uh, so she made an enormous amount of birdies, but wasn't able to eliminate the mistakes. Had uh, I believe four double bogeys and a quad en route to that tied for 16 or tied for 13th. But I bring it up because, to me, Patty Tamataniket is one of the most explosive players in the game. She was finished fifth last season on birdies or better percentage. So you and I and Damon, I think, all know the hardest part of golf is actually getting the birdies. The rest of it should be a little bit easier in minimizing the mistakes. So I'm keeping an eye on Patty Tamataniket this week as she plays uh, to see if she can carry, off, carry over some of that positive momentum. Such a great point. And you use the word explosive, you know, volatile. It's UCLA brewing like electrons flying all over the place. You know, with those birdies, with the eagles that she makes, with the power, occasionally it can bring in the mistakes. Yeah, typically that's when you see it from these types of players, when they have to kind of dial in the power, if yeah. you will. Find a way to make minimize the space and sometimes take some of the distance off the mm. tee, right? I mean, you don't yeah. have to pound driver all over the place if you are making the big numbers, but those also lead to a lot of birdies. Not a lot of mistakes in the career of Kari Webb, the legend. What do you have for Kari? Kari, it's the number 60, and that relates to the number of weeks that she has been away from the LPGA Tour. She last heated up at the end of last season, or end of 2020, excuse me. Uh, so it's been over a year since we've seen Kari Webb. She has declared that this is not a comeback tour. This is a golf tournament that is being played near her home. So she's enjoying the idea of coming back out onto tour, seeing friends, enjoying the camaraderie that is the LPGA Tour without having to lug the baggage around. And, and just on a personal note, I'm excited to see Kari again. Uh, we got a chance to see Annika a bit last year and last week uh, playing. It, it's great to see these legends uh, still out there and playing. Uh, a World Golf Hall of Famer is Kari Webb, and excited to see her back on the LPGA Tour. Paige, when it's cold, you've kind of got two destinations to go to. You could go west. You go to kind of Scottsdale, Arizona, if you will, go play some golf there. 
or you can go to Florida, and it's really two different personality types to go those types of places. It seems like Lexi Thompson loves going the Florida route. <laughs> yeah, a Florida girl through and through, and there's a good reason. Not only is she playing near home and in her home state, she makes a lot of money there. So the number for Lexi Thompson is 36 5. And that's the percentage of earnings that she's made in the last two seasons just in the state of Florida. It's pretty remarkable, especially considering she hasn't even won in those starts. So nine starts in the last two seasons, a couple of runner-up finishes, 10, or excuse me, six top tens, eight of nine were in the top 20 and never has finished outside the top 27 in the last two years in Florida. So she makes her season debut this week at Boca Rio. And I'm keeping a close eye on to see if this Florida girl can make make a little hay uh, this week. Yeah, looking for her first win in a couple of years. You got to think that Lexi, with that talent, another explosive player, will get off the schneid. I'm usually afraid of math, but Paige makes the numbers easy. Thanks for your time. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. All right, great to have Paige on a Wednesday. Now, I saw this last night on social media. I wanted to bring it up. Some bittersweet news coming from the LPGA. Beatrice Ricari of Spain announcing yesterday that she'll be retiring from pro golf after teeing it up this week at Boca. 16-year pro fought a lot of tears delivering the news. I feel like golf has given me so much. way more than trophies and money, um, status, fame, it has given me so much that it's hard to describe. There are so many moments that compose this one big moment of so much appreciation for everything. Just love the emotion and the honesty from Beatrice Ricari, three-time winner on the LPGA, a member since 2010, 2013 European Solheim Cup team member, represented Spain in the 2014 International Crown. Boy, they have a lot of fun that week. One on the LET as well, Spanish amateur champ, French amateur champ as well. Great, great career. Very, very impressive stuff. We have some news today as well. Epson, a worldwide technology leader, has joined forces with the LPGA to become an official partner. Epson will become the title sponsor with exclusive naming rights to the LPGA's qualifying tours, the official road to the LPGA. The Epson tour sends the top 10 finishers to the LPGA and the most established women's qualifying tour in the world. Yeah, I have an Epson printer at home. Well, that's pretty cool. I'd be into a 2022 where Dustin Johnson kind of got back on the right side of the great play. A look at his 2000 and 21 you see worldwide 20 starts just the one win that was early in the year in Saudi top 10 seven four missed cuts it was a strange 2021 for Dustin Johnson but you know what kind of fills it up on the social media Instagram and Twitter traveling and style you know, Paulina there riding shotgun they, well, they do it right you know Rubbing elbows, Usain Bolt. Nice watches, fellas. My goodness. And we always love the things PJ said. I probably have not played as much as you think I have. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Um, no, I just a lot of time was at home with the family. Um, you know, some fishing. You know, pretty much anything but golf is what I did. Um, you know, last week I started hitting balls again, and um, so yeah, I mean it was, it's been pretty good. The progression's been nicely. Um, you know, each day I see it's getting a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. So yeah, that's what I wanted. When you say you played very little, how little are we talking? A couple times. <laughs> whatever handicap you are as a golfer, plus six or eight or whatever, what are you as a skier and as a fisherman? Um, let's see. Let's say I'm scratch. At both? Maybe a one at skiing and a fishing is all... <laughs> I mean, it's fishing. It's not catching. So <laughs> some days I'm a plus six. Some days I'm a 18. You know, it just all depends. All smiles from Dustin Johnson. And then, you know, you, can, you always get a good smile when you see Dustin on social media. I mean, kind of normally simple post. What a great day at Tory, Swinging it with the ocean in the background. Nice to see Dustin Johnson back. The about 101 days. Since we've seen Dustin Johnson play a professional golf round, that is surprising when you dive into those types of numbers. And also surprising was last season after what we'd seen in late 2020 when it seemed like Dustin Johnson would not lose another big tournament. And he just seems so bothered, doesn't he? I mean, I kid. DJ just taking life as it comes day to day. And you dug into the numbers and, and you saw some things with his driving just maybe not quite as dialed in, buttoned up in this era of – of Bryson, has he kind of been supplanted? Because DJ was the guy who was the best driver yeah, in the world. Yeah, strokes gained off the tee. Dustin was always kind of floating one or yeah. two for a long time. He was 21st last season, strokes gained off the tee. Now, that not might not seem like a, a drastic drop, right, when you go from first or second to 21st. Mm. But when you kind of dive into the numbers, what does that tell you? What does that mean? So in 2017, 59 rounds, he gained 63 shots. On the field, okay. off the tee, with his driver. Just simply distance and accuracy, 63 shots. Last season, last, in 62 rounds, very similar amount of rounds, he gained just 22 shots mm. off the tee. So, yeah, you can be 21st compared to first or second off the tee. What does that mean? That means that you're basically losing two, two and a half shots per week off the tee than what you were when you were in your prime. And that's where you go from a fifth-place finish to a ninth yeah. or a ninth-place finish to a 20th-place finish. And when you really hear these pro golfers kind of dive into what they're working on or what they're trying to improve, it is so small. It yeah. is .25 shots per round. Pick up a shot a week, Ryan Moore used to say. You heard Jordan Spieth last week say, last year say, I'm trying to get 1% better. Yeah. It's not about jumping from 100th to 1st. They understand that might not be possible. But if you go from 100th to 30th, yeah. then all of a sudden things change. Yeah, Lee Westwood once told me trying to get a quarter shot around better in pursuit of his first major championship. And I love that you mentioned the, the driving not quite as tightened up as it's been, but that also can lead to the rest of his game. His iron play, for example, he was T79 in greens and regulation last season, had been T40 the previous year, had been in the top 10 in greens and regulation in 2017 and 2018. So with the driver being just a little bit off, that can bleed into the yes, rest of your game. Absolutely. Your iron play, a lot more stress on that. Yeah. When you're not hitting your iron as close, now there's more stress on the short game and right. the pitching around the greens and making those five to eight footers for par that kind of save those rounds and continue you up these leaderboards, yeah. right? I mean, when you make these lazy bogeys 
if you will. Those are the things that really hurt the professional golfer. But I want to go back to, to late last season yep. in, into early 2021. This was the number one ranked player in the world for yeah. good reason. He had five wins in seven months, including the November Masters, and he was just dominant. When he wasn't winning, he was right around there. He had seven top five finishes in his nine events headed into Riviera after the win in Saudi. And he's right there in second place after two rounds at one of his favorite golf courses in the world. And DJ just did not play well on the weekend. Still finished in the top ten, but we know Dustin Johnson at that point in that run he was on was looking at trophies and victories. Did not have a top five the rest of 2021 after that great start at Riviera. When you think about that long stretch for a Dustin Johnson type, this is a guy that has kind of broken my thoughts on what a good what a good career is mm. for the modern player because I keep talking about those three to five year windows. Yeah. So we're seeing Jordan Spieth, we've seen Rory, we've seen be incredibly dominant in that three to five year span. JT, even Jason Day, who we're going to talk about later on the show. DJ's that outlier. Yeah. DJ has been competitive and has been a name in the top ten in the world year after year after year. It has been surprising to see the drop off. I love that you jumped on the irons when I jumped on the drivers because again, it's not you're not dropping 200 spots on the PGA yeah. Tour. But when you're Dustin Johnson and you drop 20 spots, now all of a sudden you're not the best golfer in the world. It was not a completely empty 2021. We did hear his voice loudly at the Ryder Cup in Kohler, yes. where he was arguably the best player in Wisconsin that week. And I also think at the age of 37, with two majors now, 24 victories, he can almost, I don't want to say control the situation around him because John Rahm is dictating a lot and Bryson DeChambeau is. But DJ strikes me as someone who will be as motivated as he wants to be. He will go fishing and skiing and have fun with his family and, and have fun with Paulina and get away from golf. He will win almost as much as he wants to. I feel he has that talent when he is locked in, when he is motivated, when Brooks Kepka is taking jabs at him or when people are telling him he can't do certain things. I think DJ can turn it on. As, as, uh, as Claude Harmon III once told me, nothing bothers DJ. And, and we saw it in that, in that clip right there. He really takes life one day at a time, takes it as it comes, and I think he's not done winning tournaments. I think he's not done winning majors as well. So he said he was a scratch fisherman was the question. And I was thinking about this. Aren't we all scratch fishermen? I mean, basically, as long as you don't fall out of the boat, I mean, when you go fishing, you just have to sit around and maybe hold the pole. But he said it's fishing, not catching. As long as you don't fall out of the boat, you're a scratch. It, it was, it's like a simple genius. It was the perfect description because I was thinking, wait, where's he going with this? But he's actually right, you know. As long as you can put the bait on the hook and you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you got a beer next to you and you're enjoying the sun and maybe some tunes, I mean, you, everybody can be a scratch at that. I guarantee you he's got decent speakers on the boat. I, oh, I, no I, doubt. I, it might scare the fish away, but again, that's not, we're not talking about catching. We're just talking about fish. All right, big week at the Farmers. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. Talk about the odds that we're going to see at the Farmers Insurance Open. Where, for example, is John Rump? Should we give him the trophy already or should we wait to see what happens on Saturday? We'll let him play four days. We'll let him play four days. That works for me. Back in just a bit. Back on golf today. Got some facts. The PGA Show 2022 edition, the 69th, started back in 1954. Located Orange County Convention Center, Orlando, Florida. More than 600 people on hand selling, talking new equipment, new items. Golf is growing, it's popular. And a look at the busy floor as we send it out to Matt Adams. Thank you very much, guys. I am absolutely honored to be joined up here on our main set by Jamie Mulligan. 
He's the 2021 PGA Teacher and Coach of the Year. It's an award that's been given since 1986, and previous recipients include Harvey Penick, Jim McClain, Martin Hall, David Ledbetter, just to name a few. He is the CEO of the Virginia Country Club in Long Beach, California. He's coached 2021 FedEx Cup champion Patrick Cantlay since Pat was seven years old, and he just started working, too, with the Corda sisters last year, amongst other players. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you, Matt. What does it mean to you? No, just super flattered, you know. This is a WE award. There's a village of people at Virginia Country Club. All our players, we've had the opportunity to coach 20-plus PGA, LPGA players, a lot of them since they were little kids. This is three and a half decades of a lot of people working. I feel like it's a WE award rather than an I award. Yeah. From, for me, I'm really humbled and really flattered and uh, just proud of the country club and proud of our players, and uh, it's special. When, when you talk about it as a WE award and you talk about your club and everyone being a part of it, I would like to dive in a little bit to the culture of what all this means and how building a culture can culminate with a award of this stature. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Long Beach guy in Long Beach, California. Virginia Country Club has been there since 1909. Uh, when I grew up playing, I grew up at the public golf courses with a monthly ticket playing every day. It was cheap <laughs> babysitting for my parents. And, uh, you know, at that time, there weren't any tour players that came out of Long Beach. And now there's all these players and the city's been behind it. And obviously our PGA section's been behind it. And the country club has been amazing with letting us oversee the club and welcome our players in. And to have a young guy like Patrick grow up at the club and do the things that he's done. Yeah. And all the way through John Cook and Goidos and Amy Alcott and Malinger and Thomas Ullo and John Merrick and what a Mo Martin. So... Veronica Fellerbird, it's been pretty special. And talking about special, you guys at home heard me read the list, just a tiny percentage of those that have won the award, and then you saw the graphic with some more expansive names. What does it mean for you to be amongst those legends? Yeah, I mean, I've <clears throat> when I first started doing this, there were 10, 15 great teachers, you know? Yeah. Now there's two, 3,000 people on tour that have a credential. We kid and say, you know, people are traveling with their sushi chef because it makes them feel better and that's part of their support system sure. so to watch those guys that were the pioneers that were the great teachers before and on that list and now to have our name on that trophy it means a lot and a lot of them have carved out that and now i feel like the old guy on tour i've been doing this for a long time people are asking me questions like i'm their mentor and we're just flattered and really proud so to that point because you've coached everybody at all different levels of the game, including the very best of the game. Remember, reiterating, currently Patrick Cantlay, currently the, the Corda sisters, and there's many more. However, do you have a, a coaching, a teaching philosophy? Yeah, I think we're uh, an efficient and an economist. We came up with this system called the wheel years ago, which is if you imagine a spokes and a wheel, we're trying to keep the spokes straight, and all the spokes are different in all our players. There's a big difference between everybody that we've ever coached, and that's kind of the art of doing it. And I think we've got better as we've got older at saying less and saying the right thing at the right time. I think you, to become a great teacher, you have to have a good eye naturally, regardless of the fact that there's a lot of technological stuff out there that helps you with that. But I think innately you need to see what happens in the swing and what happens in the stroke. And I think we got that without anybody doing that. And a lot of it is just watching golf and developing one kind of funny thing i was going to tell you is one of our friends just called and he said you know 
You've coached the 2021 PGA Tour Player of the Year. You coached the new, the world uh, number one, Nelly Corda. Yeah. Now you're the teacher of the year. Keep your chin up. Things are going to get better. <laughs> Which is, I, I love yeah, that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm guessing as a coach, there's an emotional connection to the players as well. Patrick and Nelly both faded last weekend. And from your perspective, when you see that happening, I wonder if it's one of those things where outside the ropes, it's even harder on you. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't get nervous outside the ropes. And, you know, a lot of times I'm listening to music and I'm just watching. And if they're in different places, I'm on my phone looking at it. But last year during the FedEx or, you know, during Nelly's magic year, sometimes golf tournaments win you and it's one shot here or there. You yeah. know, we coach, coach Francesco Molinari had a pitch last week for an eagle to take the lead, as we spoke about. If he makes that, it kind of changes the tournament. And when you drive away from a tournament, when you don't win, it doesn't feel very good. And when you drive away from one, when you win, it feels great because it doesn't happen enough. But when it does, you want more and more and more. And for our culture of players, even the young people that we're coaching, I think it, it inspires them. And for the older guys, the John Cooks or the Paul Goydos, it, it's still <laughs> inspiring. And then and our culture is working back and forth. Our stable has magic in it, I think, because of that. You know, like there's something in the water where we're at. Yeah, there's something in the water, but there's also something in you and what you do. And, and to that point, how much are you coaching the person versus coaching the golf swing? Uh, the person, 95% of the time. You know, for example, during the, the FedEx and the run through the Ryder Cup with Patrick, you know, when him and I tried to describe it, we described it as groovy. And groovy was a couple little swing keys and a couple <laughs> little putting keys and staying in our bubble. And he did an amazing job of that. So that's my job to coach them the way that they are. And they're all different. And that's what makes it fun and challenging. And I want to keep getting better. And if it was easy to be great, everybody be great. And they are great. And I'm trying to do that right along with them with our coaching. Maybe that'll be the new catchphrase in golf, that it's groovy out there. So what kind of music do you listen to when you're outside the ropes? Uh, everything. I hate to say this because this might get booed, but I don't like country music. There's a certain things, and I like just basically everything else. Uh, I like the old stuff from <laughs> Zeppelin to Neil Young like that. I love the 80s with the Cure. I'm a Long Beach guy, so I like hip-hop. I had a feeling yeah. it would be classic going down that yeah, road. Yeah. But congratulations with Thank the you, award. Matt. It is a massive distinction Thank for a you. PGA professional. We're back. You heard Dee mention before the break, it is National Australia Day. Yeah, the Mark Leishman yeah. bet this week on best bets. Got to take you back to Jason Day making moves at Tory. And, I mean, you know, we'll talk about Jason Day where he's at right now. But there was a time when he was the best ranked player in the world. Yes. But he was the scariest golfer in the world, complete through the bag, and sometimes the best on the greens. Yeah, absolutely. And made hay at Torrey Pines. Couple wins there, 2015, 2018. Won in a playoff in 15 over J.B. Holmes, Scott Stallings, and Harris English. Then in 2018, got done a good year for him in 2018. He won at Quail Hollow as well. That was that sixth playoff hole beating Alex Norn. And here he is now warming up on this Wednesday. And you talk about the, the resume. I mean, 12-time winner on the PJ Tour major players a couple WGC's I mean for a while he was the man to beat yeah he seems like he's a, he's an old 34 mm. you think about Jason Day he's been in our lives for a long long time you mentioned earlier in the show he's ranked 129th in the world now last win being in 2018 I think the question for Jason Day is what do you want out of this career going forward I mean it's a guy that's won 
50 million dollars on the golf course that's just on the golf course not talking about sponsorships or everything outside of it I mean he's, his life is made and he did all that because he played exceptional look at what he did in 2015 five victories what he did in 2016 three wins including a player this is a guy that's won the match play twice I mean these are quality victories deep yeah. from Jason Day but I think we've all been kind of waiting to see what would happen because at one point, Jason Day would have led this show week in and week out. We'd have been talking about Spieth and Rory, Ricky and Jason Day. Yeah, I tell you, he's been talking a lot and too much and probably tired of it. The health, the yes. back, you know, yes. sometimes it's the full swing. Sometimes even the putting stance has put stress on his back. He's trying to go about his swing in a different way. Says he's still incorporating some swing changes, trying to get the confidence and most importantly, some good health for a bountiful 2022. He was a dude that always goes after it and would go after it, swing as hard as anybody out there on the PGA Tour and had all the tools and we're just hoping to see Jason Day find that form once again. Let's see. Let's get it going here at Torrey. back a look at first round tee time for our defending champion Patrick Reed out with Mark Leishman Phil Mickelson they'll go at 12 30 p.m. Eastern on the south course Reed a winner here last year but the win was not without controversy as Reed took relief from an embedded ball if you remember on the 10th hole in the third round this out of the fairway bunker pulled it left to see the ball bounce and that was really D where it started. Did it bounce? Did it not? We had video evidence. Was it embedded? Was it not? Brad Fable well, called I, I, in. I, since I picked it up, I mean, it seems like it broke ground, but I want you to double check. They said it didn't, didn't bounce. Uh, you might have to stick the finger yeah, in there. That'd be the only way you'd be able to check, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah, I feel a lift on it. So. Yeah, I mean, I thought so, you but I just wanted lift. to double check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So does that T go? Where does that T go? You on get it? one club length from that hole from the hole. So D we watched that video over and over again and relief happened. He made par yeah. but that was kind of where the floodgates opened. Yeah he had a five shot win at Torrey last year but yeah people were still talking about what happened on the way to that win including some of Patrick's peers. He did win by five right so he played better than everybody else by quite a bit. So uh, we're talking about an instance where only he knows what happened. Right now. I'm in no room to judge because the footage is it's not the best in that sense. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, he is a 2021 Farmers Insurance Open champion and he did it by five. So it was a great play in all week. I think his, his success and amount of wins and everything he's done speaks for itself. Uh, you know, the stuff that's happened otherwise is is what it is and it's in the past and um, but you know you can't take away the fact he's a Masters champion and the fact he's won however many times he's won and uh, I mean there's there, I don't know if there's anybody I'd want on tour other than him with a you know with a wedge and putter in their hand I mean he gets up and down from everywhere does have a magical short game working on it right now the defending champ Patrick Reed about to tee off on the south course and Shane you recall our show was new last year at this time we had a pretty busy January and this was part of the busyness was was this week and this win and the controversy and I, I just remember being a little uncomfortable yes. with the I, and I don't know what happened like John Rahm but just being uncomfortable with how close he was to the ball and, and not knowing exactly what happened but the win was a five shot win an emphatic win despite the controversy despite some people questioning 
how he went about his business, he went out and absolutely destroyed the field. I mean, a similar situation happened to Rory McIlroy. Yes. The difference is reputation. I mean, mm. with Rory McIlroy, because of what he's done for a decade plus as a professional golfer and what we've seen out there, we're going to, you know, lean Rory's way, if yeah. you will. And for Patrick Reed, you just can't typically lean his way. I mean, if you look like a duck and you swim like a duck and you quack like a duck, at times you're a duck. And with Patrick Reed, what JT said there, to me those are two separate things. I mean, the resume is the resume. Sure. Patrick Reed, he's won the Masters. He's won a couple of FedEx Cup playoff events. He's won nine times on the PJ Tour. There's no doubting the fact that Patrick Reed is one of the best golfers on the planet. But Patrick Reed finds himself in these situations a lot because of Patrick Reed. Yeah. And, you know, when a ball lands and it embeds, to take a minute or two to call a rules official over and just to avoid these types of situations, it would keep Patrick Reed out of these types of messes. And that is the situation for Reed is it seems like once every six months or once a year, he falls into these holes and he almost the holes he creates. Yeah, and, and maybe he should err on the side of caution because he has had these issues in the past. But I'm going to take a, a bigger picture view at this. I think that the players themselves have so much power. Yes. I almost feel like the rules officials, I'm not going to say genuflict, but they seem to give the players a bit of the benefit of a doubt, maybe more than they did in the past. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but I, I just thought when the rules official drives up in that golf cart, uh, you, you snap to attention and you make sure you are doing everything right and that T's are crossed and I's are dotted. And I just feel like with this independent contractor mentality and with the size of the purses and with the names on the bags and the shirts and the hats, these guys feel like, you know what, they're right, right first, second, and third, and then maybe I'll get confirmation. And I just, I think that is something that's different. And having covered the European tour, now the DP World Tour, I'll put a dollar in the tip jar. I, I think it's different over there. And I've watched players try to take drops out of bunkers and being told they can't. And I've watched John Paramore, who's now retired from his job, absolutely tell players no. And I just think that on this tour, it's a little bit different. And it may be by degrees, but I've been covering this game for 20 years, and I'm not blind and I'm not deaf. The Patrick Reed thing to me is a bummer because I think Patrick Reed is one of the more fun golfers to watch play golf. He's the outlier. He doesn't bomb the golf ball. He doesn't, in fact, hit the ball all that straight off mm. the tee. I mean, in a world of how far can you hit it and how much distance can you gain, Patrick Reed is a guy that's kind of hanging around. And he's hanging around from what Justin Thomas mentioned. It's yeah. unbelievable hands and his ability to get the ball up and down. I, I, I hope we're in a 2022 where there's no situations like this that surrounding Patrick Reed because, again, Patrick Reed is – good for this sport oh yeah he's a fun person to watch play he can be at a time a villain which is also important in sport but for Patrick Reed and, and, and I totally agree with you D on the rules official thing it seems like when rules officials pull up these days the players tell them what they want to hear yes. and even that was a big part of this whole situation last year was the way Patrick Reed spoke to Brad he was speaking at times down to him yes 100%. He, the way he was speaking and saying and how else am I going to check it it didn't seem like a mature conversation between two adults that respected yes. each other and I think that was an important pull from that whole situation and again going back to Rory McIlroy here if you'd had video of Rory McIlroy talking to a rules official about that situation I don't think you'd have had that conversation and I don't think that tone would have followed Rory's voice 100 percent I felt that Patrick had the upper hand in that conversation right away and kind of took over and dominated that conversation where it should have been at the very 
minimum two equal participants and, and maybe not even you know in sports the, the official supposed to have the final word supposed it's to. supposed to you know whether it's an umpire behind the plate or referee you know with strikes do we need technicals in, in golf do we need to have a technical option in golf <laughs> like in basketball you go after a ref in basketball yes. and what they have yeah. in their back pocket is the ability to tee you up maybe so let's tee them up tell you what Patrick Reed does have a good short and an amazing game. resume. Mm. Nine wins in a major already. Yeah. Speaking of good, how about good video? Just because. And Shane, you brought this up 2011. Phil Mickelson doing Phil Mickelson things. And I love what you said before the show about the virtual Hall of Fame. Yeah, I said if there's a virtual or a digital Hall of Fame, you know, the Hall of Fame has a locker and you can yeah. put items in there from your career. If there was a digital Hall of Fame, something you could watch about a player's career, this would be in Phil Mickelson's video with the over the shoulder flop shot. And when he chipped in, remember we chipped in during the hailstorm yes. back in 1999 at the Williams World Challenge, now the hero. Phil Mickelson has all these moments that at times stand out more than the wins. And that was one of them. 75 yards, needed to make eagle to tie Bubba Watson. And he sends Bones up there to tend the flag. Who else would have even thought to do that? D and when you watch the shot from Phil Mickelson, it makes sense. If he hits the flag stick, it's not going to go in unless yeah. it's barely rolling. Yeah. Let's take the flag stick out of the way. Maybe it goes in on the way it's rolling by and maybe it goes in spinning back in but it was Phil at his best in my opinion. Oh he's a showman an entertainer you know he straddles that line between cocky and confident you know dances all over it with a smile and a thumbs up and I'd add the shot in 2010 on hole 13 at Augusta put that in the virtual put it in there. Hall of Fame as well I mean even at this age he continues to entertain us intrigue us and he's a three time champ at this event let's not forget though he is also bemoan some of the changes to the golf courses both he of course was uh, you know one of the bidders to redo the north course did not get to do that and has uh, not always embraced the changes to the south course still hoping we see a little form from Bill Mickelson this year struggled at the American Express last week open with 78 at a golf course where you're forced to make birdies we'll see what Phil Mickelson can do this week on golf courses that he has at times early in his career had a lot of success on.